some of these hillsides that would have been, you know, just solid brush, we're able to grow grass on them hillsides now. And so like this year, we're in a drought situation. We were able to take our cattle herd and actually graze a lot of those areas off and utilize them acres for the cattle as well. So the goats bring a lot more profitability to the land by utilizing acres that would have not been used before and turning those acres into another profit generator for another enterprise. Mm. So it's a really beautiful thing what they can do for a farm. Welcome to the 314th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, community food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Land, as the old saying goes, is a finite resource, given that they aren't making any more of it these days. That may be so, but in a way, there are ways to create more grazing land on neglected or marginal acres. That's what Jordan and Rochelle Meyer are proving in southeastern Minnesota's Driftless region. The young farmers raise cattle and poultry on pasture and direct market meat, eggs, and raw milk through their wholesome family farms enterprise. Getting access to land is difficult for young farmers these days, given the inflated prices prime ag acres are bringing, particularly in corn and soybean country. But the Meyers are finding that land can be rented for a relatively reasonable price when it's extremely hilly, has poor soil, is overgrown with brush, and otherwise not well suited for raising row crops. But it should be noted that just turning livestock out onto marginal land and expecting a good return on your investment isn't enough. It needs to be restored in a way that it can produce good forage on a consistent basis. Rochelle and Jordan are doing that by utilizing goats to clean up brush, weeds, and invasive species. The animals are also serving an important role by literally transporting biology from the deeply wooded acres they rent onto the open pastured parcels, thus building soil health. That increased soil health, in turn, produces a kind of forage that can pay dividends for a pasture-based business. The Myers have been raising goats for three years, and now have a herd of around 400 animals. They're so happy with the impact the ruminants can have on the land that they're now leasing goats out to other people looking to use them as a way to clean up overgrown acres and generally improve soil and vegetative health. Jordan and Rochelle recently hosted a Land Stewardship Project Soil Health Field Day on one of the farms they rent. Despite the fact that it was a Saturday evening in early August, over 50 people attended, a sign of high interest in goat grazing and pasture improvement. The Myers led participants on a tour of their hillside grazing paddocks and talked about fencing strategies, animal health, and vegetation management, among other things. Afterwards, Jordan talked to me about the key role goats now play in their farming business. One important lesson the farmers have learned is that these ungulates can make it so just about any plant species is desirable, including noxious weeds. That can be a particularly important advantage during times of severe drought. For any beginner farmer out there, if you don't have access to land like you said, there are, like at least in our county, in Houston County, Minnesota here, there's acres and acres and acres of ground that are just untouched and just totally getting grown over with buckthorn or multiflora rose and that type of thing. And most people are willing to pay to have people come in with goats and manage those acres. So if there's a beginner farmer out there looking to get into goats or any type of livestock, this would be a really beautiful way for them to get in. We are actually leasing out our goats to other people like that, that like to go out and do grazing jobs on other people's land. 
and they actually earn a profit from it. So we're willing to help those farmers out by getting started. They are able to lease our goats from us and we'll also even provide netting and stuff like that for them also if they don't have any of that available to them. You went through a little bit kind of the ratio, like how many acres, how many goats it takes to maybe clean up and, and how much time it takes to clean up an acre of land, that type of thing. Yeah, so your typical really brushy area that's got a lot of either multiflora rose or buckthorn or a lot of low woody brushy species mm -hmm. typically like our herd of 400 goats we would go through about an acre a day so it kind of breaks down to like 40 goats per acre per week too and what kind of infrastructure did you need it's a different kind of fencing kind of infrastructure than you have like say with your beef or that type of thing i assume yeah so we started out with poly wire and we were able to use that along with our beef cattle when we first started mm -hmm. But now with all of our other enterprises and family growing and things going on, we wanted to buy ourselves some more time and, you know, maybe only move them goats once a week and have it fit into our schedule a little bit more. The netting, the poly rye netting buys us a lot more time that way and it's more forgiving and you can sleep at night a lot better knowing that your goats are tucked in where they're supposed to be. So. Yeah. And what kind of results have you seen? I mean, what can you talk a little bit about some of the, both on this piece that you're on here that you're renting but also when you've been doing some custom grazing some of the results that you're seeing kind of some of the bringing that land back a little bit yeah so on this farm where we've been running our goats since 2020 we started um, it was clear cut and the woods that was so thick full dense of big trees to start with it opened the canopy up after they logged it and the brush just started erupting in there and uh, we took the goats in and started cleaning out areas of that land and some of these hillsides that would have been you know just solid brush were able to grow grass on them hillsides now and so like this year we're in a drought situation we were able to take our cattle herd and actually graze a lot of those areas off and utilize them acres for the cattle as well so the goats bring a lot more profitability to the land by utilizing acres that would have not been used before and turning those acres into another profit generator for another enterprise mm -hmm. so it's a really beautiful thing what they can do for a farm yeah i think you had said that that woods before it was it was uh, cleared out you actually had to adjust your eye it was so dark this is how dense it was it was a really dense wood yeah the trees on there were so big and large and bart the landlord here he ran cattle in there for years too so there was virtually no undergrowth at all to start with. And when they came in and logged it all off, the the sun just hit all the ground. And that's when the brush really started taking off. And that's when we knew that goats would be a really good ticket to have us make more profit on the farm and utilize acres that wouldn't have been. And you have, you said about 400 goats? Yeah. Yep, there's about 400 Spanish goats. Spanish goats. And they're registered. And yeah, they're really good, adapted to doing all the browsing and grazing of that nature. We don't feed them grain, and we want the kind of goat that's going to be low-maintenance, easy-keeping. That's what I was wondering. Have you picked that breed because it is adapted to this kind of situation you have here? Yep. So the goats that we got, they came from Texas, and they were running around virtually on a 90,000-acre ranch down there. So they were more of the hands-off type of goat, and that's the kind of goat that we need for our situation with how busy we are with all of our seven kids and all the other enterprises we have going on. So we started out with them other goats, you know, that were from a confinement operation, and we had a humongous amount of calling going on, and it was more, 
nature is calling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, so we had a lot of them fall out. We have less than 10% of that herd left now of that regular confinement herd. And mm-hmm. this herd that we got from Texas, they're so much more used to going out and making it on their own and using the brush for their nutritional nutritional needs. So. Well, and I know a focus that you guys have always had is soil health, and that's the basis of your operation, no matter what enterprise you're doing. And you said that you feel like with the goats and some of the other things that you've been able to do with them and just rotational grazing in general, like this year, we are in a drought. I mean, it's it's got to be, it's going to be up there in one of the driest years we've had in quite some time. But you feel like you actually have more animal units per acre than you have in the past because you've been able to build up that soil health? Yeah, this year, since we've been managing our cattle and our goats, yeah, we, we are carrying more animal units per acre this year in the drought year than we have in previous years. And we still have grass ahead of us. We have not fed any hay yet. Although I'm not saying feeding hay is a bad thing, I would actually not mind feeding a little bit myself to slow the cattle down even more. But if looking at the grass ahead of us right now, I would say we have 45 to 50 days of grass ahead of us. If it, everything just shut off and quit growing, that's what we would have left and, you know, leaving a good enough residual out there. But, the, yeah, the animal units per acre is up tremendously this year. We combined our herds of cattle and rotated them back and forth from farm to farm. And then the goats, they bring a whole new thing to the table, too, as far as fertility goes for your open ground. You know, they're going in the woods to browse during the day, and they're taking all of that brush and leafy material, transferring that biology out to the open pastures and feeding the grasses and everything with their fertility and building new biology that has not been there as much. I hadn't really thought about that. So if they're in the woods and they're coming back into the pasture, they're bringing fertility that you maybe normally wouldn't have transferred from the from the woods yeah it that's exactly what you said that's how it works and it's a beautiful thing it's you know and goats they like to work in the woods during the day they do their browsing and stay out of the sun and everything during the day during the evening hours they'll come up and they'll bed in a really tight mob and when they get up in the morning they lay down a bunch of manure and urine and fertility that you otherwise would not have had there so and you outwinter your goats right we do. So we'll actually roll out hay for our goats. We buy the big round bales in for feed for them. And yeah, we literally just take them out to the side hill and give them a push down the hill and the goats will clean that up. And we typically feed them about every other day, maybe every day sometimes mm-hmm. when we do it that way. But we've tried it different ways too, um, doing the bale grazing thing with the goats, but it doesn't work just setting the bales out there because we've had a few accidents where the goats will eat around the base of the bale and they'll actually tip over oh. on the goats <laughs> you know i see that when when the animals will eat around the bale. i never thought of that they could you know, it would probably do a number <laughs> yeah yeah it don't don't fare too well for goats to do that so cattle you can get away with doing that but goats we have to roll it out for them so it works out pretty good anyway because then we have more of a feeder area so to speak for them goats because when you have a whole trail of goats like that it takes quite a bit of space for everybody to be able to eat Talking about the custom grazing, how economically feasible, how far can you go out? Can you transport? When is it not economically feasible for you to transport them as far as distance? Like what's your region that you can kind of make it pay to take it to other people's uh, pieces of land? I think, well, like the people that are leasing the goats from us right now to run on their own operations, you know, I think they can travel hours for these goats to, you know, make them work. We just recently had a job come up about three hours away from us and they were wondering if we could bring our goats up there to do service to their land and 
we told them it's too far for us to be able to manage it on our own. So we're going to reach out to some other grazers in that area and see if they have enough goats to supply that area or if maybe they want to lease some goats from us to be able to take that job on. Mm-hmm. And it, do you then you, how's that work? You, if you are going to transport, you transport them or do they come and transport them and that? Typically, they've come and bought, got or got them right off our farm. Okay. So we'll get them all sorted out and then help them load up on their trailer, and then they just take them and manage it on their own. So the operations that have worked with us so far, they have goats of their own, and they're all being busy and working on other projects. So then they'll take a whole different group of goats from us to go to a different site to work. Oh. So if there's somebody out there, though, that you know doesn't have a trailer and they want to get started in this, that's something that we could help do and get the process going for them there's a lot of people that would truck goats and we could too even for that matter so and then do you provide the fencing and the other the watering infrastructure how's that work so for somebody that maybe doesn't have any of that to start with we would definitely look into helping someone out get started that way that would just all be built in on the same leasing price with the goats and do they 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 you know they do graze differently than other than cattle or other livestock like they, they browse and it, it's a different kind of grazing system that they're it's a different way they're getting their nutrition isn't it Yeah definitely so it's it's a really beautiful thing too when you can take cattle across an area and then you know the stuff that they leave behind that's almost like the goats go to feed to start with you know like that's what they would have preferred to start with anyway so you get a much more even graze over your property and you're able to utilize a lot of these extra species that you normally wouldn't have with goats. You're, you're able to add value to a farm that maybe has been, people have felt like, well, it's getting run down or the, it's getting overgrown with, with uh, invasive species or whatever, but you're able to, by building that soil health with that system, you're able to add value to something that kind of from the mainstream view of well this isn't good corn ground or whatever it doesn't have that value but you're able to add value through you know through and get an economic uh, uh, reward for that yeah I guess honestly after running goats and cattle and these different species now I would never call any species of plant undesirable to be honest with you (laughs) you know we're managing for what we want out there Um, And if you want more grasses and things like that, you know, goats would definitely be a great thing for you to come in with and start utilizing some of them other unwanted species, so to speak. But every species of plants has a purpose out there. They're all doing something different. The other day we dug up a Queen Anne's lace plant and, you know, most people would consider that just a serious weed and just a problem out there. But it has just a beautiful taproot and that's also some more goat feed. You had tried to raise organic row crops here I think for five years or something and it the farm was telling you it wanted to be a a grazing farm yeah most definitely Um, we started dabbling a little bit with the organic no-till and because when we did the tillage we had some serious weed issues well what you would call weeds back then you don't call them weeds anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's forage yeah exactly right you know we had tons and tons of giant ragweed and other things like that and we would spend multiple hours hand pulling them weeds out and this and that and anytime you'd see a ragweed you're like oh my goodness oh just it's just a nightmare and then after dabbling with the organic no-till we had less weeds but then the perennial grasses started coming in (laughs) so going through the stages of succession you know when you start from bare ground you you hit up the weeds that's like the first stage and then you'll start slowly getting into the you know a little bit of broad wheat leaves like the clovers and stuff like that and then after you go out of the clovers then it goes to more grass and 
it was telling us something. It was it was following the stages of succession. And when I seen the uh, red clover and the chicory and the orchard grass and timothy and all of them different species of plants coming up in my organic no-till system, I just knew. I'm like, I'm just going to start grazing this because this is a beautiful thing and it's already here. I don't have to pay for it. And away we go. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Those goats, in a way, kind of triggered that success. It was a succession that would have occurred anyway if you just let it go but you're able to kind of maybe channel in a different direction a little bit yeah so a lot of them you know undesirable undesirable forbs that are out there you know we were able to utilize them with the goats but also the cows do eat those plants too under good management doing more moves with the cattle higher stock densities and things like that you know we have a lot of different species of plants coming up in our fields that used to be fields now they're grasslands but we had wild parsnip and different things like that you know like oh man cattle would never eat that but they love that that like they, they get that before the goats do <laughs> so yeah but there's still plenty of species out there that the goats would definitely take advantage of like the plumeless thistle that we were seeing out in the, the pasture here a lot of people call it musk thistle but mm-hmm. we found out it's plumeless but yeah they eat the bulbs off of them and take some of these undesirable plants and turn them into cash yeah no we we saw it firsthand we saw them working on those thistle out there it was great do you, do you sell some of them as meat then, or how, what, what do you, what's that part of it? We haven't marketed the goats for meat a whole lot, but we have had few people reach out and in the cities and stuff like that where we've, we've taken goats in and butchered them and sell them direct like that. But most of it is selling as breeding stock and then a little bit to the sales barn and stuff like that. What are some, I guess, less hard lessons that you've learned in getting into the goat? I don't know how many, how many years you've been raising goats? Three years now. Three years. Yeah. So what's in the last three years? What are some, I guess, some lessons? Uh, some you know, there's always going to be some hard lessons that you've learned. I guess when you're going to first start out getting goats, try to find goats that are more raised in the same way that you want to raise your goats. Mm. So we bought the conventional herd to start with, and they were grain fed and things like that, you know. And we thought we could take them to our system and you know let them go out and browse and everything like that and we ended up with a lot of parasite issues and hoof issues and stuff like that and we have less than 10 percent of our herd left out of those ones that we started with and then since we started with the spanish things are going much much better for us that was the hardest lesson and then i guess another really hard lesson is the predator issue Mm. you know we didn't have guard dogs for the first year and we did just fine, and, you know, we didn't even think nothing of it. And, you know, we're moving our goats enough. It must be enough, you know, to keep the predators away because we're always moving and doing things different, changing it up. But then within a one-week span in the next year, we lost at least 40 kids to predators and some adult mature does. Yeah, you said it was coyotes and bobcats. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep, and then after that, we started dabbling with the livestock guardian dog part of it, and we had a lot of hard lessons with that one, too. But yeah. Um, we ended up getting a pup that we raised up with our bucks and a few bottle baby kids and, you know, had them in close proximity of each other and they bonded with each other really well. And then we were able to blend them in with our herd during breeding season. And then we have a, we have four really good dogs now. So the one dog that we started with, she had pups and we raised them up and she, they were raised with them and yeah, it's all working out really well. And now we actually have another her whole litter of 11 of them that she had so <laughs> i guess any advice to somebody who's just wants to start looking into into goats i mean what just a couple couple things to get people started or some I, things they should keep in mind i guess 
look at what options you have available as far as ground goes like if you wanted to run them on your own property or rented property or or if you wanted to start your own goat grazing business you know you can go start asking people in your neighborhood you know you see a bunch of woods laying around that's just got a ton of brush laying in it it's like man that's a bunch of really great goat feed there i bet you we could really utilize that mm -hmm. you know go talk to some people in the neighborhood you know maybe they would be interested in you coming in with some goats to clean that up and then just talk to other local people that are doing it and start learning coming to field days like this one and you'll learn a lot on things that you need to know for moving forward well that's what was great about this field day i saw i heard overheard a lot of people who said and talked to people who said uh yeah i think i'm going to start getting a few goats so the more people you get the more information is out there to see because they're all going to have a different experience so that's that's what's great about it. events like this is you create that network definitely yep so yeah the, like you said the more people you have doing it the more experience is out there and every farmer is different than the next one everybody has a different way of doing it it seems like and not every way is wrong and not every way is right you know whatever works for you is kind of the way you need to go For more information on building soil health profitably utilizing grazing, see the podcast page for Ear to the Ground episode 314 at landstewardshipproject.org. Also on our podcast page, there's a link to LSP's list of pasture walk events, as well as information on other podcasts featuring wholesome family farms. We've included a link to the farm's YouTube page, which has videos on managing goats. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org, or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear the Ground a rating on whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.